Have you ever been in a real blind panic? Once when Jess and I woke up, she checked her phone and saw some messages from Santander telling her that her card had been declined three times in Tesco while we were both fast asleep. She said, oh no, my purse was in the car. So of course we thought her car had been stolen. Instantly, I was wide awake, leapt out of bed, ran downstairs to find the front door wide open. Cue panic. I ran through into the kitchen, all the cupboards and drawers were open. My wallet was gone, Jess's keys were gone. We had been burgled. Although they kindly left Jess's car keys on the front seat when they left to try and use her cards in Tesco. Thankfully, nothing much else was taken. Don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, Mr. Manning. Don't panic, don't panic, anyone. Don't panic, Mr. Manning. Don't panic, 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 Some of you may know real panic, real fear. In our reading today, the king's advisers panicked and were afraid because their lives were in very real danger. But they weren't the only ones who were afraid. Did you spot who else was afraid? Verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. He said, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Nebuchadnezzar couldn't sleep. A guilty conscience, perhaps? He was worried, anxious, troubled by his dreams. He was a bully. And actually, bullies are easily scared by things out of their control, by things they can't bully into submission. And then he makes his ludicrous demand in verses 5 and 6. The king said to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. The threat wasn't only to kill his advisers, but their families too. If you think Nebuchadnezzar would let those families leave the houses before reducing them to rubble, you haven't quite got the measure of him yet. He was arrogant, powerful and brutal. His advisers begged him to share his dream so they could interpret it for him in verse 7. But he was tired and mean and cranky and wanted to flex his royal muscles. This was a test for the Babylonian religion and wise men, and they failed. The words tell and show and make known and reveal come thick and fast in these verses, but the best in Babylon couldn't do it. The point is this, pagan religion is useless and helpless. It can't see and it doesn't know. 
What the king asks is too difficult, they said in verse 11. And they were right. Their religion was shown up and revealed to be nothing more than human stuff. And no one can tell what another person dreamt. The magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers, as are listed in verse 2, had nothing to fall back on. Nothing but themselves. And they couldn't meet Nebuchadnezzar's challenge. Verse 12, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. Notice those two words, Nebuchadnezzar was angry and furious. We might say he was incandescent with rage. And did you notice that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon, even the ones that weren't there, like Daniel and his friends? That's the sort of man Nebuchadnezzar was. It was a pretty sticky situation, to be honest. But in the middle of this uproar, People running around going mad. One man stood up and said, Don't panic! Don't panic! And unlike Corporal Jones, he actually meant it. Two nuns were driving through Transylvania when suddenly, out of nowhere, a vampire jumped on their windscreen. The nuns panicked and the one who was driving started to swerve the car back and forth to try and shake him off, but to no avail really panicking now. She shouted to the other nun, quick, quick, show him your cross, show him your cross. The other one leant forward, banged on the windscreen and yelled angrily, get off the windscreen you horrible vampire. Are you in a panic worthy situation? To be honest at the moment, I'm more weary than full of panic. In a sense, the pandemic is masking the problems we already had and have had since the start, but they are still there. Are you in a panic-worthy situation? Most of us are blessed not to be facing a situation as serious as Daniel was. In verse 14, Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, the top soldier in Babylon and you didn't get that job by being nice and friendly, arrived at Daniel's house to put him to death. I can't even imagine what I would do if the authorities knocked on our door to take me away to put me to death. But many Christians face that very situation all over the world today. Mercifully, we do not. But let's see what Daniel did. Because I think the way he reacted to this situation can help us when we feel the panic rising. First, Daniel worked out what was going on. Verse 15, he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Instead of despairing, Daniel asked the king's executioner what was going on. And Arioch then explained the matter. This is important because sometimes, let's be honest, we get into a flap for no reason or for the wrong reason. Then we respond to the wrong situation in the wrong way or maybe make the whole thing even worse. We need first to work out what is actually going on. 
Second, Daniel put his trust in God. I can't quite believe what Daniel did next. Verse 16, he went in to the king. The king who had just ordered Daniel's execution, full of anger and fury, that king Daniel went to see. And he asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. When Daniel did that, he really put his trust in God. He couldn't tell the king what his dream was any more than the pagan wise men could. As they said in verse 10, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. Which is why Daniel chose to put his trust in the God of heaven. Third, Daniel involved his friends. Verse 17, Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Remember, their Babylonian names were Hadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Daniel didn't face the situation alone. He didn't have to. Friends, we don't have to face this or any situation by ourselves. It's tempting to hunker down, to retreat into ourselves, to to face our troubles alone so we don't bother anyone else. There's a strange sort of pride in that attitude, not wanting to ask for help, not wanting to admit we're finding things difficult. Daniel was humble enough to involve his friends. Are you? Fourth, Daniel prayed to God. Verse 18, Daniel urged his friends to plead to God for mercy that they might not be executed. Now we know Daniel prayed faithfully every day, even when he wasn't in danger. But here, the imminent risk of death no doubt helped them to pray and plead with God all through the night. They prayed all night, not only for themselves, note, but for all the pagan wise men of Babylon too. Daniel didn't panic, but acted with calm wisdom. Daniel didn't panic, but put his trust in God. And in verse 19, we read, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. God came through. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to die like my granddad did, peacefully in his sleep. Certainly not in a blind panic like the 245 passengers in the aeroplane he was flying at the time. (laughs) The old ones are the best. The narrative continues nicely in verse 24, which we'll get back to next week. Because before that, we have four whole verses of praise. In the previous four verses, Daniel spoke to the king's guard visited the king, returned home, spoke to his friends, told them what was going on and spent the night in prayer. The events are compressed, but Daniel's prayer of praise is not. How tempting it is to move on to the next item on the list when we get what we want, when we hear from God, when we finish the thing we're doing, but not Daniel. He stops and praises God. The pagan wise men were right. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks, they cried. So Daniel prayed to the God of heaven and gave him all the credit and all the glory. Here, this wonderful prayer 
which starts in verse 20. Daniel said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel is given insight as a gift. And quite rightly, the first thing he does is turn and praise the giver of that gift. And don't forget, Daniel's life was still in danger. He praised God before he went to Nebuchadnezzar with the dream and its interpretation. He praised God while he was still in mortal danger. I wonder if there's a lesson there for us. As we close, let's recap on the steps Daniel took to avoid losing his head, literally. Daniel worked out what was going on. He put his trust in God. Daniel involved his friends. Daniel prayed to God. Daniel praised God. They're pretty simple, but hard to do. Why? Because our natural instincts fight against them. Jumping to conclusions, falling into despair, facing things alone, forgetting and ignoring God. Those are the easy ways of responding to panic. But Daniel's is the wise way. So whatever we, whatever you are facing today and tomorrow, let us face it, not with panic, but like Daniel, with wisdom resulting in God's praise. Amen.